You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. Hey, what's up, my friends? It's Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast. Man, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. I've been out a little while getting a brand new baby church planted uh, this summer and this fall. Stoked about that. It's going great. G-Town Church here in Gresham, Oregon. We meet at the Hoppy Brewer on Main Street in downtown Gresham Sunday mornings at 930. Uh, totally stoked on what the Lord is doing there in my own life as well as like in the life of our church. It's been, been killer, but I'm, I'm stoked to be back doing some Core Life Training podcasts, putting some new classes online, and also getting a brand new live class that I'm going to be doing here in Gresham later on this fall in November, which I'll give you details on as they come up. But I'm stoked about that class. It'll be in the book of Isaiah. For our podcast this fall, I want to work you through four core values, four things that uh, lie at the heart of who I am as a person, the ministries that I've ever been part of, core life training for sure. But ultimately, um, they're like the four things God wants most. They're God's core values. They're the things he wants most from us as believers. And I'll just tell you a quick story about how I got there. Um, in 1986, I was a 16-year-old drug-addicted, skateboard riding, hacky sack kicking, lead vocalist for the band Legion of Doom. Uh, but I went to Bible camp every single summer, and I went that summer as well because there was girls there. I love water skiing. The games were great. Uh, wasn't really interested in knowing Jesus. Uh, but when I got there in the middle of the week, the Lord made me born again in an instant, and I knew it. Man, I was not one minute, right? Like I was a little druggy kid one minute, and I was not that kid anymore the next minute, and I knew it full well. Like I knew what something had happened to me. Um, I came back to school that year, that fall. I had shaved my head, bald. I had the biggest cross I could find around my neck and the biggest Bible I could carry to school, and everybody said, what the heck happened to you? Because they all knew me as the guy I was. And I got to tell them what happened to me, that I was born again. And I got to share the gospel all around my school. I went to church and I was stoked and fired up to know and love Christ and follow Christ, whatever that meant, I had no idea. And they started telling me what it meant, man. They said, you know, you should read your Bible. I'm like, right on, how much? And they're like, a lot, like every day. And I'm like, okay. And they said, you should pray. And I'm like, how much? And they said, a lot, like, I don't know, 30 minutes a day or an hour a day, like every day. I'm like, well, okay, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm in. And over time, nobody meant to do this to me, but over time, like I really learned a version of Christianity that I call checklist Christianity. Like there's lots of good things you're supposed to do to make God happy and lots of bad things you're not supposed to do because otherwise God will be sad. And I found I could never keep up with that checklist. I could never win that game, right? So I never nearly did enough of the good stuff, right? I always missed days reading my Bible. I never prayed enough. And I always kept finding myself doing the stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. And after several years, you know, of being a, a young believer and trying to sort it out, I, I ended up finding myself like feeling like I could never, ever make God happy. Like I felt like I was always disappointing the Lord. He was always sort of um, let down by me. And, you know, that, that didn't feel good at all. And I, I finally was asking God, like, man, if this is what it's all about, this doesn't seem quite right. Um, and I, I just really asked the Lord, what is it that you actually want from me here? Like, what is the bottom line of this thing? And I went on a several year journey in scripture, just trying to figure out like, what is the core of this thing? What does God want most? Like all these things are religious and nice and good. And some of them are biblical and some of them are traditional, but God, what do you want from me? And thankfully God answers that question in scripture. God actually tells us the things he wants most above all. He tells us his core values 
I've tried to make his core values my core values for my own personal life, for the life of my family, and, and for the life of the ministries that I've been part of. And I want to share those four core values with you over the course of the fall in the podcast, right? And here, here they are. If you've been around me, you know these. If you haven't, here they are. Number one, it's to know God deeply in his word. Number two, it's to love God passionately. Number three, it's to live powerfully for God's glory. And number four, to proclaim him boldly. Those four things lie at the core or the heart of what God wants from us. And what I want to do in the podcast over the next several episodes is show you where those are in scripture. Those are not just big picture themes. Those are actually um, rooted in in scriptural texts. I want to show you that in scripture. Uh, I want to walk those specific passages through with you and then really apply what those values and what those scriptures have to do with real life. So it's going to be big picture theology. It's going to be um, specific biblical texts that we're going to work through, and it's going to be super practical for real life. And I hope you guys dig it. Like when I sorted out what God wanted from me, right? When I got to the core of it, it changed everything in my life. And I hope it'll be super helpful for you as well, right? So I'm stoked to be bringing the Core Life Training Podcast back to you. Thanks for checking it out and listening. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for being patient and waiting for me. If you stick around after the outro music, there's going to be a secret part of the podcast. And in that secret part of the podcast, I'm going to share with you some metal music that I've been listening to that I love that inspires me and stokes me up. And I'm going to share with you my drink of choice for this episode Um, And usually it's a a good IPA or a good stout, maybe a porter, uh, sometimes a red. But I'm going to share with you uh, like the drink of choice for this episode. If you're not into metal music and if you're not into beer, when it's time for the outro music to end, just press stop. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode. If you're interested in that kind of stuff, just listen beyond the outro music and you'll be in the secret part of the podcast. All right, guys, I'm stoked to be back. I want you to grab a Bible, grab a notebook, and your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. So it's easy to take for granted the idea that we can like know God, right? Everybody's got an opinion about God and what God is like. People that don't even believe in God have opinions about God as if they can just know what God is like and who God is. And I mean, if you live in the States, you know, we have Bibles kind of everywhere. And if you just want to open one up and read about God and the story of what God is like in the Bible, you can do that. Um, it, it's just really easy to take for granted the idea that we can know God. But I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 1, and I want to play a little what-if game with you. And I want to think about um, this idea of knowing God and how it could have been, right, if things would have gone differently. So in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God creates the heavens and the earth, and then he re- arranges the land so that it's good for man, it's a blessing for mankind, And then finally in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, right? The Lord says, let's create mankind in our image. And so God makes mankind in the image of God, right? Male and female. He creates them and he creates mankind to have a unique relationship to God, different than all of creation, right? Only human beings are made in God's image. And we're meant to reflect his glory back to him in a unique way, different than all of creation, right? The heavens declare the glory of God for sure. That's Psalm 19, verse 1. But human beings declare the glory of God in a unique way. Only human beings are made in God's image. And we're meant to have a unique relationship with God. Again, all the rest of creation is not made in his image. We are, and we're meant to relate to him in a unique way, right? So there's this special uh, creation that God makes in, in mankind, right? For himself and for a relationship and reflecting his glory. And then if you skip over to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, the Lord puts the man in the garden. And he says, listen, listen. 
all these trees in the garden are good for you, right? Like everything you see, you are welcome to have it. Just go for it, man. Knock yourself out. It's all good for you. Except this one tree over here, right? That one's not good for you. It's bad for you. And here's what, what I need, right? Like I'm the Lord. I made you. I know what's good and bad for you. I decide what's good and bad for you. And what I want you to do is trust me. Will you just trust that what I say is good for you is good for you. And what I say is bad for you is bad for you, right? Listen to my voice and trust me. This is the relationship that the Lord is setting up with man in the garden. But when you skip over to chapter three, verses one to seven, the serpent comes along and says, now, listen, man, you can't trust a God that doesn't love you and doesn't want to take care of you. Like God is trying to hoard all the good stuff for himself. He wants to be king and decide what's good and bad for you. You should do that yourself. And, you know, the woman takes a look at it and says, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Screw the Lord. I don't want to love and trust God and listen to him and uh, let him decide what's good and bad for me. I want to decide that. And then her fool husband who was standing freaking right next to her, right? It's not like he was at work and came home and goes, hey, what did you do? Like, he's actually right there in the conversation. Her fool husband goes right along. Now, what that dude should have done is grabbed a shovel and beat the serpent over the head a few times. Like, that's really what that guy should have done. But instead, he decides along with his wife that deciding what's good and bad for ourselves is way better than trusting the Lord. We're going to love ourselves, not God. We're going to trust ourselves, not God. We're going to honor ourselves, not God. That's chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now, I want you to look at verse 8 in chapter 3 of Genesis. And I want you to imagine that right after Adam and Eve said to the Lord, screw you, We don't want to love and trust you. We want to love and trust ourselves. Imagine that verse 8 said, And the Lord God disappeared and never, ever revealed himself to anyone ever again. Imagine that's where verse 8 ends. So that no one in all of the rest of human history could ever know the Lord. Right. So what that would mean is like generation after generation of men and women would be born in like idolatry loving and trusting ourselves above all things. We would live not knowing God, only knowing and loving our idols. We would die in like our idolatry. And the whole human race for all of time would be born, would live and die in idolatry and face eternal judgment because no one could ever know God. And that would be totally fair. Like that would actually be justice if verse eight said, and the Lord said, all right, You don't want to love and trust me? Later days, I'm out. Totally fair and totally just, and human beings would have gotten what they actually deserved. That's not how the story of the Bible goes, right? The Lord comes and reveals himself again to them, and throughout the story of the Old Testament, God is always revealing himself to his people. The book of Hebrews says that God revealed himself in various ways, and ultimately God reveals himself in his son, Jesus Christ. And we have the scriptures that reveal God to us, as well. We take for granted the idea that God could be known, but man, biblically, knowing God is an act of God's grace. Like nobody actually deserves to know God. It's not just a given that we should be able to know God or can know God. God in his grace gives us a gift that we don't deserve. And he says, you can know me. Now, here's a crazy truth. Uh, It's not just that God begrudgingly lets himself be known. Well, I am the Lord. They are my people. I created them. I guess I'm going to let those people know me. Like I'm, I'm the great king and they're my plebes. So I suppose they should get to know me a little bit, right? That's not the biblical picture. Here's a crazy truth. 
that God actually loves to be known by us. God freaking loves it that we would know him. Let me give you a couple of passages. One would be Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. The Lord says, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches, right? Like you may have a lot of stuff and you may be smart and strong. That's nothing to brag about. Verse 24, but let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. <laughs> There's something to boast in that you would know the living God. Let him boast that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth because I delight in these things. Now, here's a couple of things that I want, I want to clear up here. What in the world does delight mean? That's not a word I ever use in my, I never say, I, you know, I like I delight in that. Thanks, Brenda. That was a great meal. I delight in that. I never hear like Voconus's new record and go, I sure delight in Voconus's new record, although it does rule. Also, another record that totally rules is Tool's new record. Uh, but I never would say like, I delight in them. I say they totally rule. What does it mean that God delights? It means these are the things that make him happy. These are the things that stoke him up. These are the things he's pumped about. These are the things that he loves. God loves loving kindness. God loves justice and God loves righteousness. But if you back up just before that, God loves that we would know him. He delights in it. He's stoked about it. He's not bent out of shape and bummed. He loves it that we would know him. So Hosea chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, let me give you a little bit of context, right? Israel has been involved in centuries worth of idolatry, of wickedness, sacrificing their children to Molech, right? And the Lord has sent prophet after prophet to call them to repentance. And Hosea is calling uh, Israel to repentance as well. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim, and what shall I do with you, O Judah? Because your loyalty, uh, a, a great way to translate that would be your loyal love, for your loyal love is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. In other words, there is no love for God in Israel. Their hearts are for idols. Verse 5, therefore I have hewn them into pieces by the prophets and I have slain them by the words of my mouth. What does it mean to hew something into pieces? That's a word I never, also never use in my real life. To hew something is like to chop it with an axe. And the imagery is a, of the prophet's coming to Israel with the word of God and chopping at Israel and their idolatry and their wickedness. He says, and the judgments are on you like a light that goes forth. Verse six, because I delight in loyal love rather than sacrifice. Israel's bringing uh, offerings to the Lord and then they bring their offerings to Baal and they bring their children as sacrifices to Molech. And God says, I'm not interested in your freaking sacrifices. I want your heart. I want your loyal love. And the end of verse six, and I delight in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I would love for you to know me, not bring your crappy offerings and love your idols. I delight and I love and I would be stoked that you would know me. This is just a crazy truth to think about uh, against the backdrop of God and his grace. He doesn't have to let us know him and none of us actually deserve to know him. In fact, we deserve the opposite. And yet God in his goodness and his mercy and his kindness not only lets himself be known, man, he loves to be known by us. The great God of the universe says to the dust of the ground, in fact, he says to the sinful dust of the ground, he says to the sinful dust of the ground that doesn't want to know God but wants to know and love idols instead, I love that you 
would know me. Easy to take for granted the idea that we can know God. But one of the things God loves most, and it's one of the things God wants most from us, before we're good boys and good girls for the Lord, before we're holy and godly, before we give up sins, right? Before we avoid bad things, before we go reach the world, before we go, right, bring justice to poor people or whatever it is, before and above all that, God says, I want you to know me. I love it and I delight in it. Now, just one last little bit here. God doesn't need to be known by us, right? The Lord's not in heaven going, oh, if only some people knew me, I'm sad by myself and I just need some friends. Like that's most of us in junior high school. That's not the Lord. Like God doesn't need to be known by us. He's fine, right? God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a killer relationship among themselves. God is happy being God and he doesn't need to be known by us. The truth is we need to know God. This is John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus in his high priestly prayer says, This is eternal life, that they would know you. Right? That people would know God and be born again through the process. God doesn't need to be known by us. In his grace, he delights to let us know him. He loves being known by us. And when we come to know him, we're born again, right? We're made brand new. So one of the things God wants most from us, one of God's core values, one of the reasons God made us is so that we would know him. So I want to wrap up by asking you this question, right? We, I said we take for granted or we can take for granted that we can know God, that we have the ability to know God. But I think it's also easy to take for granted that we even know what it means to know God. So if somebody said to you, what does it mean to know God? How would you answer that? I want you to think about that a little bit. That's what we're going to dive into in our next episode. Biblically, what does it mean to know God? I want you to think about that question. I would love for you to hit up Core Life Training on Instagram or Facebook and leave a little note. How would you define that? If you were answering that question for somebody, what does it mean to know God? What does knowing God mean to you? We're going to dig into that in our next episode. All right, man, I appreciate you checking out this episode. If you dig it, Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Uh, If you dig it, share it around. Let people know what's going down uh, so somebody else can listen along as well. And love to hear from you, either on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, You can email me at jeff at corelifetraining.org. Love to hear from you that way as well. So appreciate you taking the time. Look forward to catching you next week. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible, and I will check you later. All right, man, thank you for sticking around after the outro. If you are still here, it means that you want to hear about this episode's drink of choice, and it means you want to hear a little bit of the metal music that I'm listening to these days. So let's get down to it. This episode's drink of choice comes from Lewitt Brewing Company. They're out of Vancouver, Washington. They're just across the river from me. I haven't had a ton of their stuff before, but man, I grabbed this. It is called the Barbarian Imperial IPA, and it comes from their Player's Handbook IPA series. Now, I grabbed this because the can has like a pencil drawing that comes right out of Dungeons & Dragons. It's a barbarian with a battle axe 
chopping off the head of a dragon and it's all done in D&D style and it looks totally rad. So I'm like, I got to get this. That's my whole thing. And I love Imperial IPAs as well. This one's super good, man. It's 120 IBUs. So you'd think it'd be super bitter, but it's actually really not. It's 8.6 on the ABV scale. Tastes totally awesome. Uh, You guys should definitely check these guys out. That's Lewitt Brewing Company. It's their Player's Handbook IPA series. This one's the Barbarian Imperial IPA. I'm checking out the Wizard as well and looking forward to the rest of theirs whenever I can get my hands on them. All right, now for this episode's Metal Moment. I want to share a band with you that I found from the Electric Beard of Doom podcast. Man, this band is out of Maryland. They're a three-piece band called Yatra, and they were touring all the way out here in Portland, Oregon. I got to see them earlier this year at the high water mark in Portland. It was like me and 13 other people in the room. It was a pathetic showing from metal fans in Portland for such a killer band. I had to apologize for our city. But these guys, Yatra, they just looked around the room and said, screw it, there's only 13 people, don't even care, we're still gonna pound this place. They're super heavy. They're killer, killer, killer live. Their first record called Death Ritual, it totally rules. They got off their tour and already put together their second record and I cannot wait for it to come out because they played most of their second record live and it totally rules. I can tell that already. Uh, So this is the first track off of their record called Death Ritual. You guys got to check these out. I'm going to leave a link to their band camp in the show notes and you should check them out, get their music, get their merchandise. So we're going to roll out of here with Yatra. Appreciate you guys sticking around after the break. Check you later. (laughs) 